Welcome to the Positive Vibe Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Bonick, and we got an epic guest for you this week, PV Nation. He has believed in the movement since the first day we met back in 2021 and is currently the tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to Episode 9 with Austin Hooper. Austin, you want to say what up to PV Nation? Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy to be on here. Uh, Let's have a good conversation. Let's do it. All right, man. So hometown, San Ramon, California. You know, how was life growing up in San Ramon? It was good, but very fortunate. I mean, you know, both my parents worked. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, middle-class community. I mean, grew up riding bikes with my little friends. Everyone played sports. Everyone just would just compete against each other. I mean, it was, it was, I was pretty fortunate looking back on it. I thought it was just normal. And then, you know, you, you live life a little bit. You meet a bunch of people just realize like, wow, like I was afforded with a great opportunity and like a great foundation to kind of go off from. So like the older I get, the more I'm grateful for how hard my parents, both of them work to, uh, to put me mm. and my siblings, uh, in the position we were in. And then ultimately then once you get there, it's like, all right, kids, you got to run with it on your own now. So grateful Hell for yeah, that, bro. For sure. Um, so was football the passion since day one or were there other sports, you know? No, nah, I grew up playing baseball. Like I love baseball. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, so I was uh, I'm left-handed, and then uh, this was before everyone like kind of figured out about pitch count and Tommy Johns and whatnot. So <laughs> I was kind of like the uh, kind of like the lab rat for my little brother. So once my my deal went out by twelve, my dad's like, "Oh, we should probably start counting pitches." So uh, yeah, my brother was a pitcher in the minors for a while, but oh, uh, awesome. yeah, so once. Once my elbow kind of went out, I was kind of like, ah, like, what What do I do? What do I do? And my dad told me when I was 12, you'll never forget because it lit a huge fire under my ass. He was like, son, there is no college fund for you. Like, at 18, you will not be in my house. You're either going to be in the military or you're going to college, but you got to go to college on your own. I was like, oh, Jesus. All right, here we go. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do football. And then, you know, started playing it. And I mean, I always kind of grew up playing it, you know, little buddies like on a field or whatever, but nothing mm-hmm. like organized or crazy. And then, yeah, it was what, sixth grade when I started and kind of oh, took wow. off from there. So, yeah, when did you kind of realize that you, you know, you kind of want to take it to the next level, you know, as far as Division One football or even, I guess, at that point, just trying to get that college paid for? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that was my whole goal. My goal is never go to the league. Like, my goal is always, like, all right, how do I use this football thing to go to college so I'm not searching for bombs in Iraq? Like, that's right, that was, right, right. like, that was, like, the fire under my ass to be like, okay, like, how do I get from A to B? It was never, like, so in my opinion, everyone has these grandiose dreams. Like, it's great to always dream and want to aspire to get to a certain place but like people forget like you got to make like tangible goals in the way like mm-hmm. you can't just say i want that it's like okay great awesome but what you have to get a to b instead of just a to z everyone wants to like skip all the shit that sucks which is 99 percent right. of the journey yeah. and like get from a to z like your podcast and just start like i want to do this it's like no you you had to create everything you had to create suit you had to get the equipment you had carve out time in your day to do the same principle with football so for me it was just like okay how do i get to college i was like all right i gotta build my body up 
okay, I got to get my feet quicker. Okay, I got to watch film. I was like meticulous with everything I did and like didn't waste my time. So like looking back on it, I probably took it a little, probably like too seriously in the sense of like, but like not a lot of people realize like what I just told you and your listeners, like that was in the back of my head. I'm like, uh, I appreciate all the brave, you know, service members and everything but like i was like no nah, that ain't for me dog i'm not trying to right. go to iraq so i was like uh-huh. i was hammering that work so so after my junior year um yeah after my junior year kind of sent out uh set out some tape and whatnot uh create a little huddle whatever and i think it was uh northwestern was the first school to give me an offer and then cal and then well, how, how it works is like once you get one offer, you'll get like 13 because uh-huh. especially like being in the league now and like cause a lot of these guys obviously come from college or were uh-huh. at college at some point. So you talk to them. It's like you realize it's like how lazy like college recruiting is. Half the time they'll just sit uh-huh. back on their ass and be like, oh, oh, damn, Oregon just offered this kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's look. Yeah, throw him an offer because Oregon did. <laughs> like that's that's how like 90 percent of recruiting works. So like. <laughs> Once you get like one out of nowhere, you'll get like 15 within a span of months. So uh-huh. eventually, you know, did the Stanford thing. And yeah. yeah so was, obviously, yeah. Stanford, you know, a powerhouse as far as, you know, obviously athletics, but academics as well. You know what I mean? Was that something you were strong in, you know, coming up? No, I mean, it wasn't like that was something I really worked, like another thing I worked <laughs> my ass off at. Like, um, so. You know, freshman year, so I, I was a public school kid my whole life. And then high school, um, I went to De La Salle. So instead of going to Cal High, which is like, you know, two blocks from my parents' house, I ended up, well, I, like, they're like, you're going to De La Salle. I'm like, ah, oh, man, all right, whatever, here we go. So, like, the first semester, like, kicked my ass, dude. Like, I was used to, you know, California public school. It's like, you show you right. do your homework, it's chill, it's all good. And, like, you're at least get a three up there it's like damn like two two i was like oh god i gotta get better <laughs> so sophomore year i ended up finishing like a three something three two i think and then junior year was a little better but like going in my senior year stanford kind of came around and was like look in order for you to have a chance to get it accepted you're going to have to like we're gonna have to take a look at your transcript okay great like for your senior year, instead of you chilling, your senior year, you're going to take two AP classes, a zero period, and one at the end of the day. So, yeah. like, my whole – and, like, and like, they're like, remember, kid, like, like you've clearly been messing around early in your high school career. So, right. like, <laughs> you're going to have to, like, get a 4.0, like, throughout your senior year. So, instead of being committed, it's like, we can offer you, but unless you get admitted to school by the undergraduate dean, like – so I was like going in my senior year without like a commitment. I'm seeing all the other uh, like all the other schools I'm interested, like their scholarships, you know, naturally going away. Like on the other side of it, it's like I'm recruiting. It's like, all right, dude, you're a senior. Like, do you want to come here? Like, yeah, right. no, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of holding out, see if I can get admitted. Like, all right, well, well good luck. But yeah, like our class is full. So I'm just seeing like, mm-hmm all these other places that were options and naturally just like, you know, select amount of scholarships for that class. And once they're gone, they're gone. So long story short, work my ass off, get the 4-0 my senior year, Damn. go on my official visit 
to Stanford still like still not like admitted right like I have an offer right. but like cool like unless the dean lets you in school it's like <laughs> yeah sucks for you dude so like <laughs> so I meet with the dean for like 45 minutes long story short I get in and yeah once I was admitted obviously committed immediately I was like after all the hoops I just had to jump through like yeah, yeah. right so then once What's... I stepped on campus like I was good like that was my goal like my goal was go to college was never right. like let's go to the league how relieved were you when you finally got admitted <laughs> I was like uh, it's one of the greatest feelings of my life and like my yeah. parents were super happy too because they saw me like grind my ass off like I was up at 6 a.m it's like I had to commute right. like you know depending on California traffic like you don't leave at the right time like it'd take you 40 minutes to get to school so like mm-hmm. and I had zero period so like I'm up every day at like you know 6 15 and then practice by the time I'm done with practice in the afternoon Bay Area traffic on the way back like I'm not stepping in the house till probably like 6 37 eat food and then do homework from eight to like 10, 11. So like I was just grinding. My parents saw me just grinding. So like, as soon as that happened, like it was a cool moment um, for my whole family. Cause they saw like pretty much for like six months, dude, I'd like no life. Like right. I was literally like, wake up. I never took a damn AP class and then I was taking two of them. <laughs> so like, I was just like grinding all damn. day, every day. So like, that was probably like one of, the greatest feelings I've ever had. Like, cause that was probably the hardest I've actually ever worked in my life. Right. Looking back on it. Damn. So. I feel like that you committing to the process and grinding, you know, just instilled that in you, you know what I mean? From an early age, even when your pop said that to you, you know oh, what I yeah. mean? Like it, it not only motivated you, but put you in a situation where you were like, all right, I gotta, I gotta put in the work and whether it's footwork or whether it's academics, you know what I'm saying? Like right. you, you knew that you needed to put it in, but look what happened now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, shoot, like, that's what we're talking about. Like, you got a goal, man. Like, you got to just work. Mm-hmm. You got to do the yeah, stuff I, that's not sexy. Like, everyone just right. wants to do the shit that's fun and cool and easy. Like, the best that's, advice I can yeah. give to, like, especially young people is, like, stop trying to be cool. Like, that cool mm-hmm. shit gets you nowhere, dog. Like, yeah. do what you need to do. Don't do what's cool. Like, I didn't, right. like, I didn't want to do any of the AP classes. I didn't want to, like... I didn't want to do any of the shit I had to do. But I just realized like this was you're just road bumps to like get to ultimately where I wanted to be. So it's like I just had to eat it for months on end and just like and this for something that wasn't guaranteed. But yeah. like I just visualized it every single day like I was so obsessed about it like nothing else mattered to me. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. That's awesome, bro. Um all right man, so you end up going to Stanford, you know, um you mind telling us what other, you know, schools you were kind of narrowed down to before that, uh, you know, lined up? Yeah. So I went out to, before my senior year that summer, I went out to Notre Dame and it was like Brian Kelly's. That's when Brian Kelly was still there. So Mm -hmm. I went out there and they brought all the West coast kids out in the summer, like obviously to trick all the West coast kids to like commit like, Oh, see, like we have sunshine. Like buns. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I'm in the middle of the cornfield and like flying to Chicago. Me and my dad rent a car, like drive an hour and a half east to get to South Bend. Like on the way there, man, I don't, I don't know how many times if you've been to Indiana, like nice people, 
Like you're just rolling through farmland, man. And then all of a sudden right. you take a corner, it's just touchdown Jesus. And you're like, all right, yeah. oh, like, damn, we're here. <laughs> so I'm on campus for like 10 minutes and they're already like, so you like what you see? I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, so you're ready to commit? I'm like, damn, dude, like, can I see the, you know, can I see the bookstore yeah. or something? Like, yeah. can I see the facility? Like anything. It's like, see, we're a real college. You're ready to commit. So I just got like a weird vibe from, from that right. staff. And like the whole time they're just like, well, you know, you weren't even supposed to be here. Like we had this linebacker from New York because they were offering me to play linebacker. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, you know, there's a linebacker from New York that was supposed to be here and commit. And if he did, then you wouldn't even be here. So I'm just like, damn, dude. Like, damn. I'm like, oh, all right, that's what's up. So yeah. long story short, didn't end up going with them. Uh, Chip Kelly was still at Oregon. Um, that was always in my back pocket. And then if, you know, all else failed, break glass in case of emergency, go to Cal. Like Cal's, mm-hmm. you know, 20 you know, depending on traffic, 20, 30, 40 minutes from the house. So, like, mm-hmm. it's a layup. Right. So, if anything happened, like, I was going to end up going to Cal. But, and the L.A. schools were still, UCLA didn't want to offer me because they didn't think uh, I was really, like, a tight end or a DN. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. USC was coming off of, uh, they're still dealing with these sanctions for whatever they did that past time. So mm-hmm. USC is like wanted me to come to camp and like, like we'll have twenty guys and like you guys can fight for five scholarships. I'm just like, all right. So I always made it a point whenever we played Notre Dame, SC, UCLA to just lay it on them. So yeah. like every time and just like do some wild shit, like get up, yeah. just stare right at the head coach, uh, just yeah. Be like, yeah, oh, just yeah. let them know and like. Cause they all like, you know, at the end of the day, like the older you get, the more people know each other in the Bay. And every time right. uh, my people would see them, they'd be like, Hey, I, remember when I told you to offer that? Remember when I told you to offer hoop? This is that same kid that's going to end up doing that shit to you in a few years. So you're going to do what you're going to do. But like, I'm the same guy who's in this area evaluating people telling you, Hey, we got another one. Uh-huh. You want to listen to me this time. And luckily they, they started having it. Cause I mean, for a while there, the Bay area just wasn't getting as many you know looks or, or mm-hmm. whatnot so eventually over time with guys like me and a few others like people are coming out and the same dude who's out here like scouting the area who has like a combine prep spot that all of us work out at so when all the coaches stop through it'll be like all right you ready you ready to start listening to me now it'll be like yeah, yeah. all right who do you got out here so right that's awesome bro um it just I love the you getting jacked up and looking at the coach, all that shit. I got goosebumps when you said that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I, I love that. Um I remember the same shit with baseball, bro, and like those coaches that slept on you, you know what I mean? And then a full circle, you end up playing them, you ball out. It's just it's a unreal feeling. Yeah, you know you what I mean? Be a part, yeah, you gotta be a piece of them getting fired. So it's like <laughs> that's, that's epic. Um all right, bro. So your time at Stanford, you know, um, we're not going to go through it too much, but like, what was your biggest takeaway from your time at Stanford? Oh man, that's a great question. Biggest takeaway, like overall sport specific, school specific, just gen- general. Yeah. Just in general, man. Uh, the cool thing about Stanford was like everywhere else, if you're an athlete, like they have class checkers, they have everything. Stanford's just like, dude, like we're, we're going to leave you alone. Like, mm-hmm. Stanford's like, we're not going to check you go to class. Like, you know, they're like, no class check, no drug tests. Or like, look, like if you mess up, like we're going to treat you like an adult. 
Like, mm-hmm. if you mess up, like, we'll know. <laughs> like, right. we'll take a look at your transcript. If you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing, if you're being a, if you're being a dummy, if you're messing up in school, if you're, you know, partying or doing whatever, it's like, we'll know. Like, we'll mm-hmm. see. Like, the school will tell on you eventually. Like, in terms of, like, you, you can't just, you can't fake it on Stanford for too long. I'll put it to you that way. Like, the school yeah. will, the performance aspect will tell on you quick if you're not living right. That's awesome, man. Um, so eventually, you know, you get the opportunity, you know, you get invited to the NFL Combine. Um, you know, when did you kind of start first realizing that the NFL dream, you know, could become reality? So I don't really, I don't really think that was kind of a thing for me, like a possibility until probably like, so my first year I redshirted. So I was redshirting just, mm-hmm. and redshirting so much fun. Like that's the thing people are like, oh no, I redshirt. I'm like, pretty much like, you're on the team, but you're not like you, we didn't have to travel. We didn't have to do anything. Like I was such a little turd. Like there are times like the day after the game, I would roll in the building to watch film. Right. And I didn't even know if we won or we lost. Like when we went on the road, like, cause you know, we were I mean, a little freshman that were red shirt or whoever wasn't traveling. Like we went out to the frats, like we had a good time. So freshman right. year was just fun. Like, I mean, you had to wake up a lot at like six thirty to like run and lift. Like that's your, you know, training or punishment whatever you want to call it for being mm-hmm. redshirted so did that and then spring ball going into my second year uh, kind of just like took off like was making a ton of plays like finally understood the offense at a level where you know my physical ability could now shine through because mentally I could actually understand like because when I went to Dale South not a very sophisticated state scheme it's just like whoop someone's ass in front of you like that was it instead of like mm-hmm. actually playing tight end which you have to know the second most information on the team behind or on definitely on the right. offense behind the quarterback so it was just mm-hmm. mentally I wasn't you know wasn't ready for that like my true freshman year sophomore year I was so my mental and physical ability were there did that balled my redshirt freshman year. I think I was second team all conference first. I don't know, but this was also a time during when like everyone wanted to be like Oregon and run spread. So like, if you were a tight end, like there's only like 15 or 20 of us in the country. So I'm looking around, I'm like, okay. Like seeing the guys who are getting drafted, like coming out of college and I'm like a redshirt freshman and I'm already like more productive and like cocky little shit. Like of right. course in my mind, like I think <laughs> I'm the best there is. So right. my redshirt sophomore year, um, have a good year for a all conference, finishing the Rose bowl. And after that, I was like, yeah, like I'm kind of looking around. I'm like, oh, shit. I was looking around. I'm like, oh, do I stay? Do I go? I don't know. And then all of a sudden it's like, David Njoku staying for a senior year. OJ Howard staying for a senior year. Evan Ingram staying for a senior year. I'm just like, looks like I'm going, boys. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. <laughs> right. Like, what, what do I do? Stick around and become a better college player and then get drafted later because everyone, all the boys are coming out next year? I'm like, nah. Even though I'm not ready, <laughs> like, looking back, wasn't ready to be a pro. But uh, it's like, all right, here's the opportunity. So took it, ran with it, and went to the combine and that was some, that was an experience. 
Yeah, I couldn't imagine the pressure and just like I remember just watching that on TV and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like it just looks like not a I wouldn't say a fun no, time. The combine sucks. <laughs> like you like everyone romanticizes the combine until they go to the damn combine. The combine sucks. Like right. you were like cattle going to the county auction. Like <laughs> like they so they have 32 team doctors, obviously, right? Like so the 32 teams are like doing knee tests and shoulder tests. By the time, like you have no knee problems going into the test, but after 32 times of them, like grinding your MCL and ACL <laughs> and your, like your labrum by the end of it, you're like, damn, like, okay, now I do have problems with my knees and shoulders. <laughs> and like, it's, it's so weird, dude. You're just walking around, like you're standing there and like your boxers, like walking around, like, and they're just all sitting in bleachers, just looking at you. I'm like, Bro, this like you literally feel like a cow at auction. They're just like looking at you, like taking right. notes, like. And then, <laughs> that the thing that no one tells you about, right? You are up at all fucking hours of the day. Like you get like maybe four or five hours of sleep, and that's how the way they want it. And then on the third day, like you aren't running at all. And then on the third day, they're like, right. "All right, you're on national television. Let's go run a 40. And your third day, you're just like. <laughs> Uh, I'm tired. I don't know where I am. Like, and so the day starts at probably like six or seven and probably, Oh, excuse me. Oh, this is the other fun day. So the first day you got to get up at like four something to beat as many people as you can for the drug test. So yeah, there's a line of, you know, a hundred dudes, like everyone's like trying to go to the drug test and you know, combine They're assholes. They know what they're doing. There's only two guys that are doing piss tests. So like you're sitting there for hours and hours. And then once you get there, it's like, okay, today we're going to the hospital. And you spend six or seven hours in the hospital just getting blasted by MRIs, just like 32 doctors wow. grinding on you. And then you're right. gassed. Then you got to meet up like in the Indianapolis like conference, like one, the hallway somewhere with your guy to like do some f- speed stuff. You're like, dude, like I'm a, this number at 21 is going to follow me for the rest of my life. I still got to keep running. I can't just sit around and eat for three days. Right. And then <laughs> after the day is done, you go to the train station underneath the hotel. It's like where you can unofficially meet with teams. They saw like have these mm-hmm. big, like, uh, like circular tables. You can kind of just sit around and all the teams that want to talk to you. You talk to them for 20 minutes and you're just like, it's such fake bullshit looking back on. Like you have your little, <laughs> you know, you have your practice speech. They have their practice speech and you're just feeling each other out. And then, yeah, long right. story short. And then on the third day, it's like, <laughs> all right, let's go run and let's do all the stuff. And this is what's televised. And that's all like you see growing up watching the combine. And then you're a part right. of it. You're like, bro, this is a strange strange event. And like, yeah. I got older type coaches. I'm like, yo, what is that about? They're like, oh, it's designed to suck. Like, we want to see we want to see you run and compete off no sleep after three days. Like he's like pro mm-hmm. day is designed yeah. for you to run fast. Like you sleep in, you can only do the events right. you want. It's designed for you to win. Like this is designed for you to lose. That's why we set it up this way. I was like, oh, well, mm-hmm. it does suck. So congrats, guys. You you <laughs> you did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a cool perspective to hear because, like, it's just stuff you wouldn't even know anything about. You know what I mean? That's pretty cool. Um, so, obviously, we fast forward a little bit. You know, you get drafted in 2016 NFL yep. draft by the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, take us through draft day a little bit, just kind of the emotions, you know, that came with that day. Oh, man. So, 
uh, I went to my parents' house for the draft. I was kind of sitting back. I mean, I obviously didn't go to, I forget where the draft was that year. I mean, I didn't, I'll put it that way. Like, I, it didn't matter what city because <laughs> I knew I wasn't going in the first round. You know what I mean? I wasn't going to be that guy. So, mm-hmm. a huge mistake to the people that ever listen to us and are in this position. Don't have a massive draft party. Do not do it. Huge mistake. Yeah. So, like, you know, I probably had 100 <laughs> people here. And, like, I knew I wasn't going uh, the first day. I knew I was going to be a day two guy. So, mm-hmm. You know, first round, um, it was no one was there, right? Like, because I told everyone come the next day. I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. So the next day, <laughs> I thought I was going in the second round, right? Like, I thought I was gonna be the first pick or like top five pick of the second round because I knew like the Chargers needed one, and like mm-hmm. I had multiple interviews with them, and like everybody knew they were gonna draft a tight end, like, um. So the Chargers come up, and I'm West Coast kid, and they're in San Diego. I'm like, let's go. Like, come on. Like, this is the team I want. Like, come on. So then I see it come up, and it's like, oh, Hunter Henry. And I was like, damn, I thought I was going to go to San Diego. You know what I mean? Like, stay stay local. So I found out, like, it was obviously between either me or him, and Hunter's a baller. So (laughs) they made the right decision. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting around. I'm like, <laughs> second round. Fast forward. No one picks a tight end in the second round. So as soon as the second round ends, <laughs> dude, Matt, I go to the backyard. So there's a bar in my parents' backyard. I go to the backyard and I just mm-hmm. start hammering shots. I'm like, I'm an idiot. I'm <laughs> like, I left Stanford early for this. I'm about to like, I'm about to get cooked right. in this draft. Like, I'm an idiot. So third round starts. I'm like. So I'm sitting in the back drinking and the worst is why I tell like people who are ever in this position don't have big draft party. Like I got like my parents friend saying, when are you going to get draft? Like, it's like, dude, like I'm watching, like, (laughs) (laughs) so I'd eventually like, that's why I went out to the bar. I'm like, I got to get away from everybody. This is, this is a weird experience right now. So I go to the back yeah. and teams call your phone, obviously, right before you don't get just announced on TV, like you get a heads mm-hmm. up beforehand. So long story short, I'm sitting back there drinking and I have my phone, you know, faced up right on the bar in case some shit pops off. And I see Flowery Branch, Georgia. I'm like, what the fuck is a Flowery Branch? Um, pick it <laughs> up. It's like, this is Thomas Dimitrov with the Atlanta Falcons. Are you ready to? are you ready to be a Falcon? I was like, Oh man, thank you. I was like, absolutely. (laughs) He's like, you good. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think I was going to get called there for a while. Thanks for the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And then I played it cool. And then I walked in when the TV was, you know, timing up and it was with the 81st pick. And then everyone went, so that part was cool. That's awesome. For bro. anyone listening, like you don't need a big draft party because until then, everyone's gonna be annoying as shit. Like actually, when are you getting picked? Like, <laughs> have you heard anything? Does this team want something? It's like, dude, people just leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, right. Unreal. So obviously, you get the awesome opportunity with the Falcons. You know, you're catching balls for Matt Ryan. That's legendary. You know, October second, forty-two yard pass for Matt Ryan, first touchdown in the league. You know. Tell me about that moment. Oh, it was awesome. Like, uh, we're playing the Carolina Panthers. It was just kind of like a, we called it a Y leak where 
I start on the right side. It's like a big play action rollout, fake left. Matt's rolling out all the way to the right, and I'm faking blocking to the left down the line of scrimmage and then sneak up the numbers. And then no one's there, and Matt just tossed it to me uncovered. Like Shanahan was a genius. So he's yeah. like, Yeah, I'll get you one this week. Like it's about time. Like it's October. <laughs> like let's, it's about time you get your first NFL tug. And being a part, like I had no idea at the time, right? I'm a rookie. I'm an idiot. I had no idea I got to be part of one of the most prolific offenses in NFL history throughout that year. I just thought that's what an NFL offensive coordinator was. MVP right. quarterback. I just thought that's what the NFL was. Julio mm-hmm. Jones, alien. I thought that's just what an NFL receiver was. Devontae Freeman, cut on a dime, make anyone miss, run his ass off. Yeah. Tevin Coleman. I was like, I just thought that's what running backs were. Like mm-hmm. looking back on it, like so blessed. Yeah, for sure. So that season obviously is, you know, a special season for sure. Um, did you, you know, you get the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's something that everyone dreams about, you know, and not only that, to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, obviously, you know, things didn't go the way you guys wanted in the end, but that's got to be something uh, that, you know, yeah, you'll never forget. No doubt. Like, everyone's like, oh, do you not want to talk about it? I'm like, dude, it was still awesome. Yeah, like, hell it was yeah. awesome. Like, and after, like, dude, it's been what? Um, yeah, happened, what, February 2017? Like, dude, I'm over it. Like, it was right. awesome to be a part <laughs> of, like, Hell yeah. Wish you were on a better side of history, but you know what? It's all good. Got the got to be a part of it. Got to experience that. Something a lot of guys don't even get a touch in their career. Like, so. Right. And I got to do as a rookie. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's crazy, like, bro. It's insane. And I remember, <laughs> I remember after the game, like you'd see like 14-year-old, 14-year bets, like 12-year bets, just like head down. And my dumbass, I'm a rookie, right? Like, guys are just like, damn, dog. Like, that was the last ride for me, you know? Like, that was it. Right. Like, emotionally, like, I can't keep playing this game anymore. But I'm a rookie. I'm saying, man, heads up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll we'll be back here. Some dumb. Like, and I just remember one bet. Like, it was cool. Like, we go right there. He just looked at me. Didn't say a word. He just looked at me. It's just like, I could see in his eyes. He's like, oh, you young dumbass. Like, you really don't understand. And, like, I didn't, right? Like, Right. 21 years old i was just like oh i was in a bowl game last year i'm in a bowl game this year like yeah this is football <laughs> that's crazy and like as i get older like i'm just like damn like what are the odds uh-huh. i will say those the longest year of my life because it was four preseason games 16 regular season games three playoff games to bit we we had the first round by to skip wild card weekend we had the divisional conference championship and then the super bowl so I went from playing 12 games to playing 23 games. Wow. And, like, I'm a rookie, so my ass is running down on kickoff when linemen are yeah. still on KOR. Like, you have to split <laughs> the wedge. Like, this was the last year where, like, it was brutal. But, mm-hmm. like, longest year of my life, but the most rewarding, too. That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy when you, like, just to hear that story and to go back, you know, it was only months earlier that you were sitting there faded at your freaking parents' house, freaking about to get that call. You My know life's I mean? over. What did I just do? I made the worst decision yeah. ever. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Crazy. Right. So obviously you've had, you know, you've had an awesome uh, NFL career, bro. You know, you, you get the opportunity, you know, you sign a four-year deal with the Browns in 2020. 
you know, you end up getting a year with the Titans and, and this past year with the Las Vegas Raiders, um, you know, over that, over that span, obviously you matured and you grew up, you know what I mean? Yeah, what are, yeah. what are some of those lessons you learned? Uh, you know what I mean? Just from, from your time, obviously understanding it's a business, you know what I'm oh, saying? No, yeah. But no, yeah. I mean, so no. what, are, what are some of the things you learned? Well, I mean, there, you, you said it right there. It's a business like in Atlanta, uh, my third and fourth year. So first Pro Bowl is after my third year. So they're thinking about, my second year in the league, I had a rough year. Like, it was just growing pains. Like, my, fresh, my freshman, my rookie year, mm-hmm. Shanahan was such a brilliant coordinator, and I wasn't, like, you know, technically polished as a route runner, didn't see it. So, he would just scheme me butt naked. You know what I mean? Like, wide mm-hmm. open, just off scheme. Like, you see yeah. Niners to that. You see guys that just pop with 10 yards of separation. You're like, no defense is designed for that to happen. That's Shanahan. So, like, Kyle was getting me open. I wasn't getting me open. And then when he left, it became, like, the traditional league, which is, like, dog, you got to beat someone one-on-one. Like, you got to work right. at the top of the route or at the line of scrimmage. you got to stack. you got to have all these different route running techniques. That didn't have my tool belt. Mm-hmm. So, my second year, kind of a rough year. Uh, still had, like, over 500 yards. Like, solid, like, on paper, a solid, productive year. So, the... The Falcons kind of like, look, man, you got to have a year or like we're going to the top of the draft and getting someone at tight end. I was like, oh, all right, at least you're being real. So right. I stick around between my second and third year. His Matt, his wife was about to have twins. So I stay in Atlanta and say, go back to the West Coast. I stay in Atlanta and I work all off season with him. I follow him all around, like every morning, at 8 a.m. work with him every morning, at 8 a.m. Wow. work with him when he goes out to SoCal. Like during that break after OTAs, I'm with them every day. Shoot, not every day, five days a week. Mm-hmm. So I'm staying at my brother's dorm, like on a blow up mattress. He's playing baseball at UCLA at this time. Damn. I'm and I'm commuting to Orange County, like driving out, like in a car for three hours a day. So work with him every morning at seven a.m. So going to my third year, Matt and I have built like a good connection now. Long story short, I had my first Pro Bowl year, and I'm like, okay, like talking my age, I'm like, I like what's going on with the Falcons, you know? Like, obviously, like this place that drafted me, I'd like to, and he's like, it's like, yeah, now the uh, you know front office is like, yeah, you know, that was that was one year. Like we had the saying in the building, like anyone can do it once. Like whether you you know get a sack or get a touch, make a crazy play, it was always a joke in the building. Like anyone can do it once. So I was just like, oh, okay, anyone can do it once, huh? So. My fourth year, like, crush it, get my second Pro Bowl back-to-back. Now I got two Pro Bowls going in. So now, like, gave my agent some ammo to go upstairs and be like, look, man, like, him and Matt are firing on all cylinders. Like, this is second Pro Bowl. He's still at the Pro Bowl right now, and you haven't submitted an offer. So I actually actually heard there was – I was – so – before bye week, which was I think was like week nine, I was supposed to receive an offer. So we we're going into Arizona, like I'm having, you know, a career year. I put up like 150 before the bye week and a touchdown. So like, damn, I'm like, all right, like coming out of the bye week, I should get this extension, right? But at the right. time, we're like one and six or one and seven. So my agents like extension, like Dan Quinn or Dimitrov are just trying to keep their jobs, man. Like coming out of bye week, like they, they mm. their wings have been clipped. Like they ain't extended yeah. nobody anymore. So I was like, dang. No, then my agent called me. He's like, you're. I think you might be traded to New England. I'm like, what? 
So the original trade to New England with Sanu was supposed to be me and Mohamed Sanu to New England. But the Falcons blocked me so they could offer me. Long story short, didn't get an offer. So I'm at the Pro Bowl. I'm like, damn, okay, where am I going to go? You know, free agency hits. And then Washington and Cleveland gave me the same, pretty much like the same offer. Like I knew guys up in Washington, like, dude, a lot of stuff's going to come out about our owner. It's a wild building right now. Like we'd love (laughs) to have you, but uh, just know, like you get here, it's going to be a circus for a while. It's like, don't really want to deal with that. And then I talked to Baker and Baker's like one of of my favorite people I've ever played with. Such a good dude, good heart, Uh good leader. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go there. And then right before I signed, Dimitrov calls me and like wants to offer me you know, a deal or whatever. And I'm just like, at that point I was, I was, I was hurt. I was like, dude, like I've been in your building for four years. Like you've had yeah. you called my phone when you drafted me. Like, right. What, what do you, it's like, where do you, what do you have? I'm like, what do you mean? What I like, dude? you know how this works? Like yeah. as soon as free MC opens, the deals are done two days before the market opens. And now you mm-hmm. want to call me 10 minutes before the market opens officially and like offer me something like way un- way less. I'm just like, thank you yeah. for the opportunity. You know, wish there was a better streamline of communication, but you know, I got another opportunity on the table. So handle that man. Just yeah. Thank you. Good luck. Hey, best of luck to you. Hope go to Cleveland. And that's kind of how that story began. Right. So your time in Cleveland, you know, obviously you signed that four year deal. That's got to feel amazing. Um, you know, how, how would, how would you kind of, um, you know, talk about your time yeah. with the Browns? Yeah, no, it was, it was cool to be a part of the first, first postseason team since 94, the year I was born, like Browns didn't go to the yeah. playoffs until my first year there. Got a bunch That's of guys, crazy. like really turned that program around. Got to be a part of that first year of like really building the foundation of like what that program has become. So it was awesome to be a part of that. Awesome to do it for the city, the fans. Like they, it's it's a sports town, man. Like and they yeah. love the Browns. Like they go hard in the paint for the Browns. Like they, yeah. like it's it's what they do. So it was cool to be a uh-huh. part of part of that and help bring that winning culture in. And then after my second year, uh, my agent calls me because my guarantees were up. My guarantees are up. They uh, they signed uh, David, who's my boy, and Joku to a massive deal. Deserved it. He's such oh. a baller. So I was like, all right, like we're paying two guys in the same room. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know what time it is. And right. like, especially once they like, you know, let O walk, let Jarvis walk. You know, you know the organization wants to bury Baker Mayfield and leak stuff about him and his character out to the media. I'm like, oh, they're cleaning house, getting ready to enter the Deshaun right. Watson sweepstakes. So they have to offload contracts. So I'm like, looks like I'm getting, <laughs> looks like I'm getting <laughs> killed too. So me and me, Baker, Oh, Jarvis, like you can keep going down the list. Like there's like a dozen of us that were, you know, cleared off the books and make room for Deshaun. And right. so I'm like, okay, which like, I get the business side. Like I yeah. don't hate on the Browns at all for that. The only thing that I did not like that they did was they waited until like the fourth day of free agency to do it, even though we both knew what time it was. So right, I'm sitting right, back right. knowing I'm going to get released, watching all these spots fill up. 
Mm-hmm. I'm watching all these spots yeah. fill up. And, like, meanwhile, I'm looking at, you know, Cleveland and Cleveland. Like, we're on the same page. Like, I, I, I'm getting released. I get it. Like, it's all good, boys. But mm-hmm. please don't wait till the fourth day until a free agency, like, when all yeah. the spots are filled up for – it's like, all right, officially released. Now, looking around, I'm like, okay, okay. A lot of these doors are shut. <laughs> a lot of these rosters are pretty filled. And then John Robinson with the Tennessee Titans – grateful for him he's like hey man like uh it was between them and green bay because lafleur was in atlanta with me he was a qb oh, wow. coach like lafleur is such a good dude mm-hmm. um so it was between tennessee or green bay long story short ended up going to green bay or excuse me not going to green bay going to tennessee and getting to uh experience that down there so that was another awesome experience yeah that that's Definitely, man. I feel like that's kind of just to hear, you know, hear your story and kind of reflect on it a little bit. It's like the the journey, you know, in the back of my head, I'm still thinking about the 12 year old conversation with your pops. You know what I'm saying? Like to all of a sudden fast forward Super Bowl and and these opportunities with these different teams. You know what I mean? Um, Can you tell us about, you know, how the Raiders came about? Yeah. So uh, last or two years ago now. Yeah. Finished the year in Tennessee. Um. Going had a solid year was was one of the top targets on the Titans was like the third uh-huh. down guy so it's like going in free agency thinking like oh I think they'll you know probably want to resign me back or you know there should be some options out there right so long story short um, make a ton of changes to the roster in Tennessee market opens and then this past. It's like, okay, tight ends and running backs were getting paid up until this point. Then all of a sudden, no running back got paid, no tight end got paid, and the market mm-hmm. like got cut in half. So I'm just sitting back. I'm like, dang. I'm seeing all these great players sign half-off deals. So I'm just like looking around the market. And I'm like, this is kind of wild. And like everyone is so hesitant. Like normally for agency, it's like moving fast, right? Everyone's like, yeah. you get this, you get that, boom, 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 boom. And then this free agency, like... So it's like all 32 teams got together, you know, and played it slow. Like it was, it was interesting. It was different mm-hmm. than how it's been historically. So I'm sitting back. I'm like, okay, Tennessee's like, yeah, yeah, no, thanks, but no thanks. And everyone's here is like, no, thanks, but no thanks. We're, you know, I think we're going to head, head the draft this year. It's like, all right, all good. I get that. So I'm sitting back and I'm like, uh, I'm actually in, I'm actually Flying back uh, from Dubai, connected through Amsterdam, chilling in the airport, getting ready to fly to Atlanta. I'm like, okay, what's going on? My agent texts me. He's like, a couple teams interested, like maybe, like maybe Vegas. I was like, okay, cool. Get back to the states. Have a trip to Vegas. So get there in a day. You know, whatever. Sit down, meet everyone. They offer me a deal signed the deal and I'm like, okay, here we go. And a month later I'm at OTAs and we're rolling as a Raider. So, I mean, it's just like bang, bang and just, all right, time to pack everything up from Tennessee, head out to yeah. Vegas. So duffel bag life, baby. Yeah, that's for sure, bro. Uh, well, I mean, one of the things I want to talk about, bro, is like, 
I don't want to get too too much into the football or the X's and O's, nothing like that. I love the story. You know what I mean? I love right. the journey, the process. Um, so one thing I want to ask or one thing I want to talk about is, you know, you've done some great things on the field, but you've done some special things off the field. You know, in 2020, you started the Austin Hooper Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what inspired you to start it? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my foundation focuses on foster care kids that are aging out of the system. So depending on the state, these young men and women live in, they give them a few hundred bucks and a GED and say, go play life. Like that's a tough hand of cards to be dealt. So right. what we try to do is provide clothing, electronics, like whatever these young people need, like in this information world to have a chance to compete. So I kind of started that cause I was looking around, like when I hit my deal, like I always did philanthropic stuff, but now it's like, okay, now I have the means to like really help out people. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Like, what do I want to do? I look around, um, look around the place. I'm like, okay, everyone, I, like, you know, love animal rights and everything. Like that's, that's, I don't want this to get misconstrued at all, but everyone has like a rescue dog, a rescue cat foundation. I'm like, we have people out here that are, you know, kids out here that are, mm-hmm. you know, they're struggling. So it's like everyone wants yeah. to help out cats and dogs. I'm like, yo, we have humans out here too. Like people forget that. Mm-hmm. That could use some yeah. help. So I was like, okay, this is a super underserved community, so to speak, uh, that needs some philanthropic needs. And of that, it's always for the little kids, right? Not like the kids are aging out. It's like, all right, here you go, homie. Here's 500 bucks and a GED. Yeah. Like, what do I do? Like, I don't know, but you got to get out of here. It's like, shit. Right. that's that's brutal that's tough so soon yeah. yeah so soon i was made aware of that i was like that's what i'm going to help with mm-hmm. that's awesome bro um i appreciate you sharing that and i hope anyone you know do you guys do like donations and stuff like that or For sure is there a web yeah what's the website i want to plug that right now yeah austin hooper foundation austinhooperfoundation.com guys check it out go donate that's an amazing uh amazing cause and you know, you got a great heart, bro. And I, I think, you know, before we kind of wrap this thing up, you know, I want to tell a little story about the first time we met <laughs> and, and just the sense of, uh, you know, we met out in Arizona and, and just to be real, you know, I was, I was manic. I was in a manic episode, you know, bipolar. This was uh, a really hard time in my life. And, and, you know, I met Austin and it was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it's like, I think back on that night all the time, you know what I mean? And, uh, the biggest takeaway I have it is like, you easily could have been like, this kid is fucking crazy. And I'm, I'm blocking his number and never talking to this kid again. Cause I, my intentions were always good. You know what no, I mean? No. It's just, I was no. so, I was so like when you're, you know, anyone that knows, you know, that manic episode, it's like, you're feel like you're superhuman. It's like, you feel it's not, it's not you, you know what right. I mean? And this was all before I had any medication. Um, you know, but one of the biggest things uh, as I take away from that night and still to this day is that you never gave up on me, bro. And, um, that's something that I'll always be grateful for, bro. Every time I'm, you know, I'm, a or Eagles fans up here, you know, PA, no doubt. um, but every time I see you out there, bro, I'm freaking pulling for you, man. And, uh, appreciate that, it's, man. uh, it's all love dude. And yeah, uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. And, and I always end every episode with the same question. And you've given some great advice this whole episode. So this might be a little tough because you've already kind of knocked this out a bunch. But if you can give one piece of advice for PV Nation, what would it be? Don't be worried about being cool. Like, 
do what you need to do. Do the boring work because the boring work helps you be cool. Like everyone just oh. wants to do the fun and the sexy and everyone wants to skip all the stuff that sucks to get there. Like, mm. I, I mean, it took me a while to understand that. But like everyone, in my opinion, is always so focused on, you know, the image of being cool. And like, it's like, bro, no one cares. Like, oh. no one cares. Like, my best advice would be just grind, man. Like, don't do what's fun. Don't do what's sexy. Do what you need to do to get where you need to be. Like, make small, tangible goals and step-by-step step hit them. Like, don't worry about the outside. Like, if you're on your grind, like, people will notice. And then those same right. people that will hate on you will tell people how they know you. Mm. Hell yeah, bro. You killed that one. Whew. Wow. Let's go. PV Nation, I hope you enjoyed that episode. You know, I hope you, uh, you know, if you get a chance, go over to the AustinHooperFoundation.com. Uh, make a little donation. You know, what he's doing is special. Um, and I, I can't, you know, say enough good things about you, bro. I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me. Have a great week, PV Nation. Let's get it.